Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 so i don't know if you can really ever know what courage is like until you've been to a grade school or middle school dance now some of you i say that and you have like that growling in the pit of your stomach right now there's never been a time where i've been more nerve-wracked than at a middle school dance. And if you can take yourself back there just for a moment in your recollection, you place yourself back there, whatever school you went to. My first dance was at Desert Gardens Elementary School, fifth grade, right? And after school, they kind of call you in, right before school gets out, they call you in. It wasn't forced upon us, but this is the way it went down. You had the boys on one side of the room and the girls on the other side of the room, and they had the music blaring and the lights kind of down a little bit low. And one brave soul has to be the first person to walk out onto the dance floor and to start cutting a little bit of rug, right? Now, far more often than not, I was that brave soul that went out onto the dance floor first because I used to hang out with my best buddy across the street, Leroy Weatherspoon and Ron Summers. If you guys are watching, shout out to you guys. And I learned how to dance, how to do the running man by watching them as they rehearsed for Star Search. You guys remember Star Search? Right? They used to listen to this band called Another Bad Creation, Aisha and Playground. Right? These music, the song, it was there. I wish like anything that I could be a part of their group, but I was like four years younger, right? So, but I sat there on the basketball and I pushed play and rewind so that they could rehearse. And I watched everything that they did and I picked up a little bit. So there in fifth grade, I was the first person out on the dance floor, started to do the running man and slowly but surely the dance floor starts to fill up, right? Everything changes though, the moment a slow song comes on. And if you remember what that's like in middle school, you know, grade school, all of a sudden those divisions become very clear again. And boom, the boys right back to their side, the girls right back to their side. Now, this is where that whole second level of courage comes into play. Because the first young man that ventures across that great divide, that great chasm, and goes and approaches a young lady to ask that young lady if she will come out onto the dance floor and dance with him like Frankenstein, right? That guy had a lot of courage, a lot of guts. This is what I want you to hear this morning, is that the Lord, he's already out on the dance floor, and he's asking you to dance. And really, the burden is with you whether or not you're going to respond to that invitation. You see, we've been in the book of Romans struggling with this tension that there is between God's sovereignty and the fact that he's going to choose whom he will and our free will, our volition, man's volition, that we have a responsibility as well. And if I could kind of boil this down for you and kind of bring this down to like a Cliff's Notes version, this is what I want you to write down. Man is responsible for his damnation. 
but God is responsible for man's salvation. Both can be true, right? Now, today what we're going to be looking at is Israel has been being asked out onto this dance floor for quite a long time. The Jews have been invited into this dance. The Lord is saying, come to me. I want to be your God. I want you to be my people. I want to walk with you. I want to be strong on your behalf. I want to show the nations of the world what it means to have a relationship with me through you, Israel. But Israel, on their way out to respond to that invitation to dance, they stumble, they fall. And what we're going to begin looking at is in actually Romans chapter 9. We didn't quite finish Romans chapter 9 last week. Open your Bibles if you have them. Pull out your phone. Scroll to Romans chapter 9, verse 30. And we're going to begin by looking at the stumbling of Israel. Look at this. We'll look at what it says. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it? That is a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law? Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as it were, based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Brothers, my heart's desire... Beginning in chapter 10 now. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear witness that they have a great zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now pause there just for a moment. So we see this tension that there is between God's sovereignty, but then the volition of man. And now we're kind of colliding with this other tension that exists between a law, works-based religion, and a religion that is based solely upon grace and God's finished work on the cross. There's this tension that is there, right? And so there's this contrast that Paul paints to the church in Rome. He says, there are those who are going to pursue God according to faith. And there are those who are going to try to pursue God according to works. And you have to make a choice today. You can't do both. You can't try to live in both realms. That's not going to happen. But every single one of us, every single day, struggle with this same tension. This desire to be good on our own and in our own merit. And the idea that we understand and that we know deep down within us that there's no way we can ever measure up. Right, So check out what it says again here, Romans chapter 9. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith. Again, put yourself in the shoes of a Jewish person just for a moment. These Jewish individuals, they pursued God with a reckless abandonment. They studied the scriptures. They believed that the scriptures, according to Leviticus 18, if they obeyed the law, that the law would bring life. And so they studied it wholeheartedly. They trained their children. Children at the age of five would begin memorizing Torah. And by the age that they're nine years old or so, they would have the entire first five books of the Bible memorized word by word. There's a Jewish text called the Talmud. It's a collection of oral traditions and interpretations of the Torah. And it's 6,200 pages in current print form. 6,200 pages. They take the law, the Old Testament law, and they try to interpret that. How do we live this out? How can we make this come to pass? How can we perform what God is asking us to do? And there's these interpretations and these traditions that are passed down, and they become this text known the Talmud. 6,200 pages. If it's on a bookshelf, it's over six feet long. If you read two pages a day, it would take you seven years to complete the Talmud, this interpretation of the law. These Jewish people, they pursued righteousness 
through the law. They tried with all that they could to attain what they thought God wanted for them. And so here, what Paul is saying is he's saying, listen, you've been pursuing the law, but there are people who didn't even pursue that law, who weren't even looking to become righteous, but they found it because they had faith. Again, it makes sense that we revisit the meaning of this word righteous. The word righteous means to be declared not guilty. It means to be declared innocent in a court of law. And every single one of us this morning needs to be declared righteous. We need to be declared innocent by the Lord. But there's no way we can do that apart from the finished work of the cross. And so the struggle for the Jews is they're trying to become righteous by keeping these rules and by keeping these traditions and by keeping these feasts and by keeping these festivals and these diets and these washings and they're doing everything they can saying god i want to be innocent but they missed it because all that it takes according to this text and according to the bible is that you exercise faith you place your faith in the finished work of the cross and you say there's nothing that i can do in my flesh that can make me innocent or guiltless only the blood of jesus can make me guiltless so there are these ones that didn't pursue righteousness, not like the Jews. The Jews, they pursued that righteousness. They pursued it with all that they had. It says here in this text that they attained it. They found righteousness, did the Gentiles. They found a right standing with God. They found innocence and guiltless. They were declared not guilty through faith. The word faith means trust. It means to place your belief in something. And those of you who have ever trusted in the wrong person, or trusted someone maybe with your heart, or trusted someone maybe with a promise, or trusted someone maybe with a secret, and they betrayed that trust, they disappointed you, and you ended up being brokenhearted and disappointed, you know what it means to place your faith, your trust in the wrong individual. That will never happen with God. When you bring your faith and you bring your trust to God and you place it in him, you will never leave that exchange feeling disappointed. The scripture says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You want to know how you can please the Lord this morning? Trust him. What does that look like for us practically? It means you trust him when you're confused about why you can't find work. It means you trust him in the midst of a broken marriage. It means you trust him when your children have wandered away from the Lord. It means you trust him when there's a sickness or an illness in your home that you just can't find victory over. It means you trust him when you don't know where the next bill is going to come from. It means you trust him. If you want to please the Lord, you have to place your faith and your trust and your belief in him. I wonder where you're at this morning. I wonder if there's some worry or some doubt or some fear that has gripped hold of your heart and the Lord is speaking to you right now that the attitude in your heart that you have been exhibiting towards him in that area of need is not pleasing him because you're not trusting. What are you trying to do? You're trying to figure it out in the flesh. You're trying to work it out, and you're up in the middle of the night allowing this thing to gnaw at your head, and you're reliving these different scenarios, these different hypotheticals, trying to figure out how to make it work. And God this morning is saying, that doesn't please me. Just come to me and trust. Will you do that for him this morning? See, these Gentiles that the Jews despised, these Gentiles, they found righteousness. They were declared innocent because they had faith. They had faith, and they didn't find faith in a book. They found faith in the finished work of the cross. When they saw what Jesus did when he went to a cross, they exercised whatever faith they had. They brought it, and they said, this is yours. I trust you with my life. You see, faith, this has been said for a long time, faith is only as strong as the object that you place that faith in. 
You can have all the faith in the world, but if you place that faith in the wrong person or the wrong individual, you will be disappointed. If you place that faith in yourself, you will fall short. But if you place whatever faith it is, even if it's just a small little bit of faith, if you place that little faith in a big, great God, you will not be put to shame. Now listen to this. These Gentiles, they found righteousness through faith. Verse 31, though, he's now going to contrast this again with the Jews, with the Israelites. He says, but Israel, who pursued a law, they really pursued this. They were clinging to the law. They were pursuing it and pressing into it with all that they had. Literally, that's what the word means, to press into or to strive after. They were striving after righteousness, but through the law. They tried with all that they could, and, and really, there is this tension once more. We've been taught from the time we were little, maybe you remember at home, the story of the little engine that could. You remember the story of the little engine that could? I love in the movie Major Pain, Damon Wayans has this version of the little engine that could that he tells, and he goes, chugga, 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 toot, toot, right? Now, you don't want to tell that story to your children because it's pretty frightening at the end, but the moral of the story is, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And if you think you can, if you try something hard enough, eventually you'll succeed. There's nothing that is impossible for you. It's an incredible story to be able to try to share with your children, to tell them that hard work pays off, that there's nothing that's impossible for you. But then eventually you grow up and you realize that that story was a little bit of a lie. Why? Because it doesn't matter how hard I try today, I will never run as fast as Usain Bolt. I will never be as strong as The Rock. I will never hit a baseball like Mike Trout. And I will never play basketball like LeBron James. I am not gifted physically with those abilities, right? There's just no way that I'm going to attain that type of level in athleticism, right? No matter how hard I try or how much effort I put into it, I'm not going to succeed. And that's the trouble here with pursuing righteousness through the law. No matter how hard you try, No matter how much effort you exert, no matter how much sweat you expel, you will not be able to achieve righteousness through the law. It cannot and it will not happen. So listen once more. Look at what he says. Israel, who pursued law that they would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching the law. They fell short in reaching their goal of righteousness. It did not happen and it could not happen through the law. This is what the scripture says, Romans chapter 3. By the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes a knowledge of sin. The law serves a purpose. The law reveals to you the difference between right and wrong. The law tells you what you should and shouldn't do, the thoughts you should think and shouldn't think, but it will never make you righteous. The law cannot do that. It just reveals to you your need for someone to step in who can make you righteous. The law reveals your need for a savior. The law reveals your need for the cross. So they try to figure out a way to become righteous through pursuing the law. Now look at what it says there in reaching that law, verse 32. Why? Why did they not succeed? Why could they not, as much energy as they expelled, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Why? Paul says, because they did not pursue it by faith, but as it were based upon works. They tried to make their works earn their righteousness. And it didn't happen for them, and it will not happen for you. The scripture's clear in Ephesians chapter 2. It says this, For by grace you've been saved through faith, that is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, lest any man should boast. Your salvation 
is based solely upon God's grace through faith. And you can't even take credit for the faith because even that, according to the scripture, is there because of grace. By grace, you have been saved through faith. Even faith is a gift from the Lord. You have no credit for your salvation. None whatsoever. It's all about what Jesus did on the cross and the Father sending his son to go to the cross in your place. But you see, religious people often have trouble with grace. Why? Because they're expending so much of their own effort and so much of their own energy trying to work out for their salvation, trying to earn God's forgiveness, trying to earn God's favor, trying to earn God's righteousness or that decree not guilty. And so when they see someone walking in and enjoying God's grace, they are stumbled by that. It's a problem for them. That doesn't make sense to me. Look at how hard I'm working. Look at how much effort I'm expending. Look at all of these things that I'm doing for God. Look at how often I read the Bible. Look at how long I pray for. Look at how much money I give. Look at how many times I volunteer throughout the week. Look at how many Bible studies I go to. It's not fair that they can be saved and I'm saved too, but I'm working so much harder than they are. If that's your mindset, you've fallen into a works-based religion. All of those works are necessary, yes, but not for your salvation. Those works are necessary in order to show the Lord your love for him. You understand, don't you, that there's a difference if I come home at the end of the day with a cup of Starbucks for my wife? Now, my wife is not a flowers girl. I learned this very early on. I will not impress her if I bring home flowers, but if I bring home a cup of coffee, that's a whole different story, right? Now, if I bring that cup of coffee home and I set it before her, right, and I give her this gift and I say, you know, I'm glad you're enjoying that coffee, but I need to share with you something that I did today. It was a really boneheaded mistake, boneheaded move. All of a sudden, the worth of that gift is removed. Why? Because I did that out of obligation, I did that as some sort of a trade. But if I bring that cup of coffee home at the end of the day and I set it before her and I say, you know what, I was thinking about you today and I know this is your favorite kind of coffee and so here I just want to bless you with this cup of coffee. Now that is a work, that is a gift that touches the heart of my wife and touches the heart of God. Do you see the difference? Works, yes, but not out of obligation. Works out of adoration. Works out of love. That's what the Lord would require of us. The story of the prodigal son and the older brother, this paints this picture perfectly. Jesus tells this parable about the son who goes away and squanders his wealth and wastes all of his inheritance, and then he realizes that he's been living the wrong way, and he goes back and he pleads for forgiveness with his father. The father welcomes him in, enfolds him in a loving embrace, restores his position in the household, and the older brother's watching and despising that younger brother in his heart, and he says, I, I was with you, Father. I, I did everything you asked. I tended to the crops. I tended to the livestock. I did all of my chores. I didn't leave your side. Why should he be allowed to enjoy your presence like I enjoy your presence? I'm the one who's been working all these years. That's a works-based religious mentality that doesn't please or honor the Lord. I wonder how you've been worshiping the Lord in your walk with God this morning. I wonder what your life has been characterized by. Has it been characterized by obligation or by adoration? Because there's going to be a difference the moment you walk into the presence of the Lord. There will be works that we have that the scripture says will be tried by fire and some of them are just going to be burned away and nothing will be left because it was done with the wrong motive and the wrong heart. Be careful. Here these Jews, they tried to pursue God based upon the law based upon works, and they fell short. They did not succeed. It actually says here, there it is, 
Again, verse 32. They have stumbled over the stumbling block as it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 28. Jesus himself quotes from this text in the Gospels. He actually quotes this himself, referring to himself as that chief cornerstone. That when the Savior came, that when the Christ came, when Messiah came, the Israelites saw what Jesus was, saw who he was, and they refused to confess him as Savior, to surrender to his plan. They refused to give up works and to give up law and to exercise faith. They said, I won't give that up. I've got to do this on my own. This is too simple. It's too easy. This doesn't make sense. This is what I've lived for. This is what I've pursued my whole life. This is what our culture is based upon, and I'm not ready to let it go. They stumbled over faith. They stumbled over the cross. They stumbled over the Messiah. They stumbled over our Jesus. Now, this is what Jesus says. He says that when you come to this stone yourself in your life, you and I both have this decision to make. He says this in Matthew chapter 21, the one who falls on this stone, stone of stumbling, rock of offense, the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but when it falls on anyone, when that stone falls on anyone, it will crush him. You have a choice this morning to fall upon the stone, the chief cornerstone, the stone of stumbling, that rock of offense. You can fall on that stone, and yes, you will be broken, and yes, it will hurt, and yes, God will strip away all of those works and all of those times that you've tried to earn God's favor on your own. He'll strip it all away, but you'll be saved, or that stone will fall on you, and you'll be crushed, annihilated, destroyed. The choice for me is simple. I want to bring what faith I have and lay it at the feet of the Lord. Now, that verse, that word stumbling, it literally means to take offense to something, and if you think about this just for a moment, there's something very radical that will be revealed when you look around our culture. Because the name of Jesus today is offensive like never before. You have a culture that you live in today in America that is trying to hush the church from speaking loud and speaking boldly the name of Jesus. And we cannot allow it to happen. This culture may be offended by the Lord, but you know what? The gospel does offend. But you know what? Jesus said he came to bring a sword and not peace. He says he'll set household against household, mother against daughter, father against son. This is what will happen when the gospel comes. We have to continue to preach faithfully the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the only way that people can be saved from their works-based religions. You must continue to be faithful. You cannot be offended. John the Baptist sent word to Jesus and he asked through his own disciples, John did, is Jesus the one or should we wait for another? And Jesus responded and said, you go tell John what you've seen. You go tell John the blind can see, the deaf can hear, the mute can speak, the dead are raised. You go tell John those things and then tell him this, blessed is the one who is not offended because of me. My friends, if we allow the culture to silence the church. If the church listens to the culture and says, you know what, I don't want to offend you with Jesus, then where will the blessings ever come from? If we will not be a conduit to the blessings of the Lord by not taking offense to the message of the cross and the message of Jesus, then who will do it? If you are dropping the ball personally in your walk, if you are ashamed of the Lord, you need to reassess your walk today. You need to make that right with the Lord today. Now, this incredible text here again, behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone of stumbling from Isaiah 28, a rock of offense. Whoever believes in him 
will not be put to shame. Now look at this verse 1 of chapter 10. Brothers, my heart's desire, again, we're still looking at the stumbling of Israel. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer for God is that they may be saved. If you remember in Romans chapter 9, Paul actually said, I would trade places with them if I could. Have you ever had a sick child and you look at that child and you hold that child maybe in your arms and they're suffering they have a fever or they're coughing and they're miserable. And you think for a moment, I would change places with them if I could. That's the heart that Paul had. He says, these Jews, they're accursed. They're condemned because they won't confess Christ. And I would trade places with them if I could so that they could be saved. That's his heart. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro. Or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977